0: Welcome everybody to day four of 7 a.m. Novelist March March Writing Challenge. Good morning I'm Michelle Hoover your host. Today we have a very special guest Rebecca Mackay. She's going to be talking to us about the layers of interiority which I think is one of the most important and often misused and misunderstood concept in writing prose. Good morning Rebecca. Good morning although it's nighttime here but it's morning where you are. Rebecca is on the Pacific coast. I'm actually doing this from Cyprus. So we're about 10 hours apart. We don't even know what time it is. Thank you so much for being on our show. Rebecca Mm -hmm. is a Chicago-based author of the short story collection Music for Wartime and the novels The Great Believers, The Hundred Year House, The Borrowers. And the new novel coming out in February titled I Have Some Questions For You. The Great Believers was a finalist for the Pulitzer and the National Book Award and it received the ALA Carnegie Mellon, uh, Carnegie Mellon Medal and the LA Times Book Prize. Mackay is the MFA faculties of the Sierra Nevada College and Northwestern University, and she's Artistic Director of Story Studio Chicago. Rebecca, you've done so much, I can't even get through the bio. And that's even like a short version of the bio, but yeah, we'll probably... have a version on the podcast notes. Um, okay, so Rebecca, get us going. First off, what do we mean by interiority? And then what right. do you mean by uh, different layers of it?
1: Right. Okay, so interiority, just to begin with, would be what's going on inside someone's head. And maybe that's because we're hearing their inner monologue. Maybe it's because we're being told what someone thought by them, by someone else. Um, but this is one thing that, uh, the, that prose can do, fiction, creative, nonfiction, that film really can't, unless you have a voiceover or like a talk to the camera kind of side interview like The Office or something, right? Um, This is a huge advantage that prose has over the screen, over the stage. And it's one that we neglect constantly. I think for two reasons. One is we absorb so many of our narratives on screens that we sit down to write a novel and you just end up writing a screenplay instead. And the other is this like ridiculous show, don't tell advice that someone first gave you when you were like 16 and you wanted to be a writer. They didn't know what it meant. You didn't know what it meant. It wasn't good advice to begin with. And people take that to mean that they're supposed to write a screenplay instead of right. getting into anyone's head, which is the whole point of fiction, right? Um, to to get also
0: into had the- The preponderance of writers like Hemingway and others that really eschewed interiority. Um, yeah, yeah. And they, yeah. were, they were, you know, standing over American fiction. And uh, yes. uh, so it's become it's become very difficult. So, okay- how is, how is interiority a, a different way than telling? Like, like, what's the difference? I mean, you can tell,
1: you can tell interiority, you can show interiority, like, so, right, So I could give interiority, um, really directly with an internal monologue. I could, but I could also tell you about it. I could be like, throughout her time in Cyprus, Michelle thought often of the cat she had adopted. I'm telling you, but I'm telling you about interiority. So it's it's not the show don't tell thing. All I'm saying about that it's not that it it doesn't stand in contrast to this. It's just it's like irrelevant, right to the actual conversation, which is, um, you know, are we getting inside people's heads? Are we, you know, are we? Do we feel free to go where um, real life can't always go? Because in real life, you only have access to your own thoughts. Fiction, we could get access to many people's thoughts or one person who's not you, um, and. And, you know, then this advantage over other forms like the screen where I don't know what's going on in that person said, I kind of can guess because there's great music and there's a close up of Sean Penn's face and he's got like really good facial expressions. I can guess what he's thinking, but I don't know. Right.
0: Why is, so why is interiority so important? Not only can we do it, but why is it so vital?
1: Right. I mean, so okay. So there's, first of all, we want to know other people. We want to know their lives. We want to know what they're thinking, but also it's going to be one of the major engines of plot. If I don't know what someone's thinking, then I don't know what they want or need or fear, which is motivation. If I don't know their motivation, I don't, I'm not invested. Like why, why am I with them? Right. Um, What am I reading to find out? If I don't, you know, I, I'm I'm most likely reading to find out if this person gets what they want or avoids what they fear. Um, If I don't have that, I don't know why I'm reading what I'm reading. Um, yeah, and
0: if you're doing that in the showing mode, I mean, you can have your characters tell other characters in dialogue or nice. indicate or or indicate what they want through their actions. However. The things that we say to other people are oftentimes incorrect well, or yeah, oftentimes yeah. not actually what we want. They're more like socially um okay ways of saying what we want. So they're not really the truth of what someone's gonna tell themselves. Oh right? yeah. No, and you look at
1: what you know, I mean he was limited because it was the stage, but with someone like Shakespeare, let's just take like Hamlet, right? What Hamlet says to other people, and he's like, yeah. I'm gonna pretend to be mad, right very different from his soliloquies where he is having this dark night of the soul and being completely honest, although confused with us, with himself, right? It's, there's this total discrepancy. Um, so that's really good, but ultimately, honestly, the the main thing, if, if you do not have interiority for your characters, we don't know what they're thinking. You've lost all the gasoline in your car. There's, there's nothing that's making the story go anymore because we, we don't know what we're, what ride we're on. Right. So how
0: do you balance interiority with um, the scene? Because I think some mistakes that writers make is, you know, adding interiority around dialogue. Um, So they'll have a line of dialogue that says, um, I hate you. And then he felt really frustrated with her, you know, (laughs) (laughs) the interior. That we're going for. Right. So how do you find the balance and how do you know what's good in versus yeah. what's just redundant? Well, there's no magic ratio or anything like that. But I think people need to feel free
1: to, you know, if you need five pages of backstory, what someone's thinking about, what someone's remembering, do it, you know. And, and in other cases, you don't need as much because the action, the dialogue um gets it across indirectly, just fine. Um you know, if you went through, I'm a big fan of like, you know, when you're struggling with something, pull 10 books off your shelf that you've read before and get out highlighters and go through. Like, in with this writer, where do we have sentences or partial sentences where we're really inside someone's head, someone's thoughts, maybe what they're thinking in the moment, or maybe we're being told what they think in general? Highlight that in pink, right? And you might find for one writer that it's really heavy with that interiority. And then you might get into someone else and it's um, it's really sparse, but what's there is really effective or it might be front loaded and then we don't get any for a while. We might get scenes where um, someone goes off on a tangent, scenes where it's much more bound up with the person relaying what's happening in the scene, but it's filtered through their point of view. Um, so you're going to see a million different ways of doing it. Um, you're also going to see different depths of interiority, which is something I'm really interested in these different layers that we can get to just saying, I saw this. Yeah. We're in someone's point of view, we're in their head, but you're not really getting into a deep interiority versus someone else who's really getting into the psychology of a character. Um, there's a, you know, and, and so, you know, you, you pull 10 books off your shelf, you look at, okay, what is Toni Morrison doing here versus what Arundhati Roy is doing here versus what Hemingway did here, you're going to see huge differences that are, you know, one of the elements that makes style.
0: Right, right. And it's also important, I think, this is not information. Because I think if the interiority is coming from the writer, like I need my reader to understand this information about my character, then that interiority can be feel like a, a, a info dump. Whereas if we are truly in the character's thoughts, yeah, and it is imbued with the character's emotion, I mean that's really all about it, that. The language of the interiority is um, carries is brimming over with the character's emotion of what they think and feel of their thoughts at the time.
1: Sure, although, oh, sure, but you can also have interiority that is that is essentially backstory, that is information. Yeah. That is fine to do, right? It does not have to be literally in the moment what that person is thinking right then and there. We could get, you know, she saw a mouse run across the floor. She panicked, she felt scared, whatever. But then you can get, she had always hated mice ever since the second grade when she'd been home alone because her father went to the store and was gone forever and this mouse came out she didn't know what to do and ever since so i am being told about interiority about so that absolutely is fine
0: right but that again is is that's what you're talking about in terms of going into the layers of the character right um so when we have a character have having an emotional reaction to something then the, then we go into the deeper layer of where that emotion comes from. And that's using past experience. Or it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Be. yeah but there could be other ways too, you know. Um, yeah, and we
1: get into, you know, this is where I think we just, you know, I think people limit themselves so severely by by not leaving room for exposition, not leaving room for narrative insight, authorial, however you want to see it, you know, whether it's the narrator in the clouds or it's that person whether third or first really telling their own story. Um, We don't need an immediacy to all of that. It's immediacy can be great, but there's, um, I think people get trapped in that immediacy in a really problematic way.
0: So in terms of reaching those depths, what kind of um, advice do you give to writers? Okay,
1: so yeah. um, the, the first thing, it's not so much, you know, do this or don't do this, but but recognizing different layers of interiority. So let's take the mouse example. A mouse runs across the floor, right? I'm thinking of this as sort of strata, like if you're digging down into the earth, right? You just can actually see these layers. The, the shallowest, and, and we need this sometimes, but the shallowest kind of interiority would be, for instance, I know that I'm in someone's head because a minute ago they were thinking something, and I just it just says a mouse ran across the floor, And so we're assuming we're in Roberta's point of view, but we don't really know, right? So one layer below that would be like, just simply, she saw a mouse run across the floor and she heard everyone scream. It's still just the reportage of a mouse running across the floor, but now we're getting a little bit of sensorial detail, right? She saw this, she heard this. It's a reminder at least that we're in her head. So that's like one layer down, right? you could, another layer down could be m- more than just, you know, external sensory could be like internal physical reaction, even like she saw the mouse run across the floor. She felt her body flood with adrenaline. We feel a little bit more interior in that way. Right. Her, you know, felt something in her chest. Um, that can get cheesy real fast. If we just constantly talking about breath and heartbeat. Um, yeah. so a layer below that, um, we could get that Kind of reporting and sensorial input, but with some sort of commentary um you know, I saw a mouse run across the floor and I panicked because I've always hated mice. So it's explanation, maybe it's what the person's thinking in the moment. Maybe it's more like I'm you know, I'm telling you about it right now. Um, we could get real internal monologue like what are the actual words this person's thinking to themselves right then? Could be first, could be third, right? So it could be, She saw a mouse run across the floor. Oh my God, oh my God. She had always hated mice, their stubby little legs, their creepy little tails. Oh my God, she hated them, right? And it's very clear whether that's first person or third person that these are the words that person is thinking to themselves. So we get that, right? Um, We could go below that and we could have layers of, um, for instance, memory. So, right, we're not in the scene anymore. We're going into deep memory or, you know, either the character's remembering it or narrator in the sky is like, here's why this happened. Here's what happened before. Could be um, mental association. Like, you know, it reminded her of this thing she heard on the radio the other day about mice. Just, you know, we're following her mind elsewhere. Could be that we're following someone's mind into the future. So it's not about the past anymore, but it's like, she saw the mouse run across the floor. She, you know, tried to figure out if she was going to jump out the window or jump onto the sofa. If she jumped on the sofa, everyone would think she was, right? Just following the train of thought. Um, Could get into um, a little bit more but really like, you know, deep psychology of um, a person reflecting on their own psychological state or the narrator reflecting on their psychological state. So, you know, Georgia, who had always been a nervous person, you know, it was funny that she reacted this way to mice, considering that she didn't react this way to cats. Maybe it was because of this. Maybe this she, you know, so we could we could get that real like the kind of thing you'd actually work out with a shrink <laughs> level of stuff, right? Um there's that's not like solid categories. It's not like ABCD, whatever, but there's, there's a huge difference between she saw a mouse and like, let's get into the psychology of why she reacted like she did. Mm -hmm. And all these different layers in between of, can we, you know, are we accessing memory? Are we accessing internal monologue? Are we feeling physical reaction? Um, are we getting sensorial stuff? Um, there, there's no primacies particularly of certain ones, but what I always, what I'm often worried about when I read student work um, and people like, you know, in the workshop will say, I don't really feel like I know this character. I don't feel really invested in this character. It is very often because we're sticking in those top couple of layers of interiority. Like I'm, t- I'm definitely in this person's head because it's first person still, or because it's third, but I'm. it's saying she saw this, she felt this, but I'm never going below that. I'm not getting memory. I'm not getting association. I'm not getting trains of thought. I'm not getting internal monologue. I'm not getting psychology. Um, and we need to be free to go there. I think people are afraid to. They, they're trying to write like Hemingway or they're trying to write a screenplay or they really misunderstood some advice and they don't think they're supposed to.
0: That's interesting. So um, so a few things there. So when we talk about interior monologue, you can have direct or indirect interior monologue. And so mm-hmm. some, those are some narrative distance things that, that are helpful to kind of know about in terms of being able to stretch what you can do. Um, mm-hmm. And that would include, even in third person, going into first person, because the person is actually speaking of their own thoughts in first person. And even in past tense, going into those thoughts in present tense, because we're getting them direct thoughts. You know, he was walking down the street. I hate snowstorms, something like that. Sure, um, sure. Uh, which is some way to play with it. And James Woods talks about that in his book, um, A Craft of Fiction, um, that you can look at the different levels of interiority. Um, and this, so this is interesting. You just said though, also, some people are probably afraid of it. Oh yeah. Um, because, I mean, it does go into areas of the character. And oftentimes when our, our characters are oftentimes some sort of uh version of ourselves. And so in order to, to go into those deeper areas and those deeper experiences and those deeper thoughts, we oftentimes are touching upon some emotional thing in ourselves, too, which can be kind of scary, which I feel is like what we're, when we're really hitting something good. Yeah. Um, have you found on the students that like, just, what is that, what is that fear? Why do, why do people, why are people afraid of going into that interiority? I think it
1: could be what you're saying, but I honestly think it's often more of a craft fear. People are afraid right. of slowing down the story. Um, right. or they're afraid that this is somehow gonna bore people. Yeah. Um, and it's in fact the opposite, because if you just, if you never tell me what someone is wanting or needing or fearing or whatever, and you just keep going, I'm bored because I'm not invested. If you slow down and make sure I know this person and now I'm invested, I'll be with them on whatever ride. Right? It's it's worth taking the time. Um, I think it's really often that. And I think it's, it also can come certainly from not knowing. It's not that it is about yourself and you know yourself too well. It's like, this is a truly fictional character and they just have not taken the time um, to actually work out what this person is thinking and so you know they just kind of feel you know and they're not maybe usually when we do that we're not aware that we don't know we're just kind of like I don't know I'm just going to keep writing um and if you actually said what is this person thinking in this moment their answer might be I don't really know um right. and that's a huge problem if, if we're if that's our point of view character if we're supposed to have access to their thoughts
0: and so in your own process do you get to know your characters by writing through this interiority in, in in drafts? Or do you do other work to try to figure the character out ahead of yeah,
1: time? It often, you know, it, it, I, I would, you know, the, the easiest way is when you're writing and it just comes out and you're like, yep, I got it. I know this character. I'm just like in there that we got it. Um, when that fails, when I'm, you know, when I am struggling with a character and it doesn't have to be a point of view character, because I need to know what my non-point of view characters are thinking also, even if I don't have access to their thoughts, I need to know. Um, so in any case, you know, when I'm really stuck and I'm like, oh my God, I have no idea. Um, that's when I'll do off the page work. Like, you know, in some one, one way to do that, um, would be the kind of Emil Zola method, which was like, he kept like made notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks about every character before he even started writing, which I don't recommend, but, um, just, you know, make yourself write that person's little memoir make yourself answer questions about them you know just just do that off the page writing the other thing that I will honestly do sometimes is just honestly because more because I'm crunched for time but I will like go on a sound so silly I will go on a walk as a character I'm not like getting dressed up or anything but it's like okay I have to yeah. walk my dog and I'm really yeah. stuck on this character so I'm just gonna like go for a walk and try to be in this person's head or I'm gonna go to target as my character I just how do they feel about the sale at Target? You know, um,
0: just spending time. Which, so like a character, did you have a character in The Great Believers that you found yourself doing that with or a character even in the upcoming book? Sure, yeah, no.
1: The, um, the Great Believers I had a character, this guy named Charlie, who just was uh, very hard to figure, but hard for everyone to figure out. And that's kind of the point. We're not in his head. We don't right. really know what he's thinking. But then I realize at a certain point, I needed to know what he was thinking. Um, he was one where I forced myself to really just like, I'm going to write out the timeline of his life. I'm going to actually write out like, what is his issue? What is this guy's deal? Um, other characters, I had a, a point of view character in The Great Believers. One of my two point of view characters, this woman, Fiona. Um, it wasn't that I was so stuck with her necessarily, but I just you know needed to develop her. I needed to work with her. And um, found myself it's almost accidentally, you know, found myself, you know, I was walking around the parts of Chicago that I was writing about. Um, I was writing about both the present day and the 1980s. And she was someone who would have been there for both. And I, um, you know, as I'm walking around, found myself thinking, oh my God, like this, this person would be so like, w- would be noticing that this store has changed this person. What is, you know, what is she thinking about this? What is she thinking about the fact that this is such a bougie area now, and it used to be, you know, and I just kind of, you know, found myself really in her headspace as I walked around those areas, but I was doing it other times too. And it,
0: um, it's just, you know, maybe it either works or it doesn't. Right. But like, why not try it? (laughs) Just No, I love it. Um, and then, and because it also uses your writing time in a different way. I, I always tell students um, the Goethe line, uh, do not hurry, do not rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that kind of, it means that you can't hurry the project, but resting in terms of hopefully, if if I'm in a good writing space, my my book is in the back of my head at all times, yeah. uh, which includes when I'm going to the grocery store or going to others, like, because, because you can, you can come up with some really incredible um, material if you keep it in your head at all times. Totally. Totally. Yeah. This is,
1: yeah. Writing does not equal typing. Um, that, and that is, I'm constantly with my students The like, I mean, it's serious novel students that I have who will like, you know, we'll have a monthly class meeting and we'll go around and talk about like, you know, what have you, what have you been working on? What have you done? And they'll be like, I didn't get, I didn't do anything. Okay. So like I researched, like, and I, then I talked to this curator at the museum and then I went to this town and I like took all these notes and I made a map and then I like, I outlined and then I like tore up my first chapter
0: and I put it back together again. Anyway, I didn't do any writing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. My students do that too. Yeah. And I says, it sounds like you're working. It sounds like you're working really hard. Um, right. And if someone
1: You know, when people do have this like incredible work ethic and they're like, have to write 1500 words a day and they do, but then they're not letting themselves stop and do the other stuff you have to do because their work ethic is so great, but then they're never outlining or they're never rebuilding their foundations or they're never doing the research they need to do. Screwed. (laughs) Like You gotta stop sometimes.
0: And Yeah. And how does a student... Is this something that they're going to be able to see themselves that they're not doing? Do they need other readers to get there? During um, priority, yeah. Like, how do they know? Oh, I'm not getting this. I'm not doing this. I'm I'm missing this. I mean, Is it's, yeah, not,
1: very very often that kind of stuff comes up from say workshop or a secondary reader yeah. going, oh, I don't know this character, um, but um, and and maybe you know maybe working out with someone why that is well is it because you're writing across gender and you're afraid that you don't know what this you're afraid to write a woman's point of view and so you're like I don't know she just walked down the street she don't let you know is is it that and can we work through that and and so that that happens a lot right um but the other thing I think would be you know if this is something that someone's concerned about if it's been pointed out to them before if they're wondering go through your own manuscript and in those moments when you're in a character's head what level are you getting to is it just she saw this or mm-hmm. you know is a little bit of commentary is it internal monologue is it real psychology is it memory is it projection is it association and what's missing and you know are you are you missing out on some big things there um and it's it's god it's really hard to write a character who's you know um, it's, it's really hard to make us care about the character when you don't, when you don't go there. And, and also just sidebar, a character not being self-aware is not an excuse. Like uh, there's, yeah. that is a hard thing to pull off because even people who are not self-aware, they still have thoughts. They're not walking around empty headed. Right. And the number of times I've called a student on it and been like, there's very little interiority. And they're like, well, he doesn't really know what he's doing, what he's doing. Yeah. Okay, so he's telling himself
0: because he's telling himself something, and it's not—it's not, yeah. it's, not no, it's not a vacuum in there. You can't do okay. that. And he's thinking about French fries. There's something going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. If if someone is trying to write a, uh, the other, mm, yeah, that is that can be very dangerous. How do they? Someone that someone's identity that they don't share. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they handle that?
1: I mean, that that could be like a two hour discussion. Right. But, um, I mean, you're listening, if you're going to write fiction, you're going to be writing people other than yourself in in terms of identity, as well as in terms of background is, you know, like I cannot write a 300 page novel and only have straight white college educated women in their forties in this book could be bananas. So you're going to be doing it, whether they're point of view characters or not. Right. Then your job is to get it right. And, Um, that might mean running it by people. It might mean research. I think fundamentally, honestly, the biggest mistake people make is thinking that when they're writing the other, that that person is so different from them, that they have to just like either fear it completely where they're like, I don't know she didn't have any thoughts. I don't know what she was thinking or that they just like go overboard um, where, you know, get this and there's like men writing women. And it's like, she looked at her bosoms in the mirror like women do. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. like, <laughs> so um it's like, no, just how about she just thinks normal human thoughts, <laughs> like
0: that works just right. fine. It is, it is um, normal human. Thoughts, I think you need to find something in your health yourself that connects you to that person. Right, right, right. right, right. In order to be <laughs> that thing, because they're humans.
1: Yeah. And then of course, you, you know, there are going to be things. I just finished reading, um, Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver, and she's getting in the mind of an adolescent teenage boy and he's horny. Like she's getting into like, she's like really gets into like, yeah, like it would be a mistake for a woman to be like, to, to forget like an yes. adult, woman forget that a 15 year old teenage boy is going to be thinking about sex constantly and she does it she gets in there right but she's at the same time she's it's not all that right she's she's i'm sure finding common ground he's a fully three-dimensional person who just happens to think about sex a lot of the time um so yeah you got to make sure you know whatever you're doing you got to make sure that's in there too um but I, i feel like when people fall flat on that it is so often because they've tried too hard and coming from a place of fear and um just r- have written another person just as like an alien. Um yeah. just yeah. trying to, yeah. yeah.
0: So those but layers yeah, of interiority, Yeah. Yeah. Those layers of interiority, that's all really it's just, it's just about finding what's human in us and getting us getting it on the page. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah that's it. what right. cool. cool. yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. That's what we're here for. That's what we're trying to do. Okay, we're going to have to finish up because I need to get you guys to your writing chairs. But you can find our full March writing challenge schedule on our Substack page at 7amNovelist.Substack.com. You can subscribe there to get updates. And if you want to join our daily webinars in March, email me at 7amNovelist.Substack.com. You can also find the podcast version of these webinars posted daily in March on Spotify, Apple, and other podcast platforms. And if you really like what we're doing, you can follow, rate, and view our podcast so that we reach other listeners okay Rebecca I know it's nighttime for you but tomorrow you're going to be able to wake up in the morning and get any writing done
1: well not in the morning because I got to teach a workshop but in the yeah. afternoon yeah I actually because I have my own Substack, which is kind of fun um yes. so um I got to post I'm going to get ready for tomorrow that's kind of like my writer edition with all kinds of stuff um and then um I'm doing hopefully um yeah I'm, I'm starting a new new book um and i'm i brought some stuff with me here to this residency for research and i'm just kind of doing the like spaghetti at the wall stuff so i'm I'm just gonna like it's nice to go in with like no plan like what if it's in third person what if it's told from the point of view of the table what if it's in, like that's where i am
0: so. excellent oh that's fun that's the fun part because everything is open oh everything yeah is open. and everything's so- bad but everything's open Yeah. So you can find her Substack page. I recommend it on our own, but what's the name of your Substack again? It is Submac,
1: because like, so like M-A-K-K, like the first four letters of my last yeah. name because I couldn't come up with Someone on Twitter named it. I was like, that's as good as I can do. I don't know. So that's okay. where
0: Perfect. So find Submac as well. I highly recommend it. And thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you for your time. And I hope, everyone's, I hope everyone's able to get back to work, to get get back to your writing chairs and good luck with your writing day. Thank you so much. Thank you. here at all.